0: Pretty excited. Just got my travel information to go to Washington, D.C., September 29th and 30th for Hold Their Feet to the Fire. Finally get to go back to D.C. for the annual convention. Stoked! we will be broadcasting live from Radio Row, having some of the experts on immigration issues and things like that on the show. So that's going to be a lot of fun. I want to thank R&B Car Company locations in South Bend and Warsaw. R&B Car Company are your used car experts. Josh. Queue my audio, please. I would like to do Milton Monday, short one today. Short Milton Monday today, but one of his best. This is this is Milton Friedman, who is 1979. Okay, 1979. Milton Friedman was on the Donahue show. Um, of course, uh, Phil Donahue, huge, huge leftist, and watching Donahue interview Milton Friedman was always one of the funniest things because Donahue would his brain would explode. You wouldn't quite understand how to respond, and it was always interesting, but there was you know, a point where you have you know, audience questions, and some lady stood up and, and basically said, you know, there's too many millionaires in America, and this is kind of how that
1: went. Over here. Uh, why is it we have so many millionaires and everything in the United States, and we still have so many impoverished people who try to get up into the world? Why is it we have this lack of money where people who can't support themselves decently and get a decent job where all these big men are up on top making oodles and oodles of money. They don't need it. They can only eat that much, eat in you know, a sleep in bed. And what do you the suppose bed. they do? And if they don't eat it and don't, sleep, uh, don't use it, what do you suppose they, they do? Hoard it? It. They hoard it. what do you mean it and they, they invest hoard it? you it. mean they put it under their pillow? That's right. No, they, they keep investing it. Investing it in what? That's one. right. Yeah. What are they invested in? Well, in oil and everything, where, I mean, all these other people... Who what are, are they invested in? Don't get off the subject. No. What are they invested in? Well, they invested in a lot of uh, different things that the little people need. Well, do they invest it in factories? Yes. Do some of that money end up in machines? Yes. Do those factories and machines provide ordinary working people with jobs or not? What do you suppose the productivity of this country would be, and of the, oil, the wage rate would be, if the total amount of capital in this country today was what it was a hundred years ago. Where yeah. do you suppose the improvements in productivity come from except from the, re- the investment by people of their savings? But let me go to your fundamental question. First place, nirvana is not for this world. There is no paradise. Of course we've got a lot of people who are poorly off, but if you look at it over time, if you get a sense of proportion, the well-being of a ordinary people has been the main thing that has been improved by economic progress and economic growth and development. And residual, most residual, hard cases of poverty today are the result again of a failure of government. Why do we have a teenage, black teenage unemployment rate in 30 to 40 percent? Because of two failures of government. One, a failure to provide decent schooling which is a governmental responsibility, has been, whether it should be or not, it has been. And second, because of a minimum wage rate, which prevents those kids who haven't had decent schooling from getting jobs at low pay at which they can earn the skills on the jobs that would enable them to rise to higher pay. If you look at the sources of poverty, you will find that most of them are derived from ba- what I regard as wrong-headed government policies.
0: The great Milton Friedman,
1: ladies and gentlemen,
0: hard to argue with any of that. Um, now, here's here's the thing that I I want to point out. Um, 1979 is when that happened. That is the year I was born, 1979. And what did that old lady? Okay, and I don't mean this in a derogatory way. I just mean to point out that she was up in years in 1979, and she's asking Milton Friedman a question that is still used as a tactic today. Remember when I told you, because we do Friday Soul, right? We we, we play something from Thomas Soul. And do you remember when I told you that Thomas Soul has basically announced that he's he's retired? He's really not doing any of the political stuff anymore. Occasionally he'll weigh in, but really what he's doing, he's traveling, he's doing photography, he's hanging out with his buddies now. And you remember the reason why I told you, Josh, remember the reason why I said it, why why he's not doing it? Do you remember? No? Okay. The reason is he said, they're saying the same crap that was debunked 30 and 40 years ago. Here we have it, over 40 years ago, that lady is making the same claim about wealth in this country that was debunked by Milton Friedman in that interview. And it has been repeated every day since by leftists because it's the strategy. It doesn't matter how many facts, what information you give, you know, again, you've got the situation in Cuba, thousands of people rising up in cities all over Cuba, protesting the government saying we're starving, we're dying. Our health care is terrible in spite of what Michael Moore tells you in his fomentary movies. They all are are starting to, to fight back. Okay. But BLM, BLM has been singing the virtues of the Cuba-style government, the Venezuela-style government. They themselves have call themselves Marxists in that style. You've got Bernie Sanders, AOC, multiple Tom Perez, multiple other prominent Democrats keeping their mouths shut about the Cuban people out there protesting. It took over a day for Biden to even address the issue for crying out loud, and he did so in a lackluster Biden way. If there was ever... Here's the thing. Joe... If there was ever a time for you to plagiarize a speech to motivate people, that was the time. Why did you choose that moment to try and come up with something on your own? Because it sucked. It was terrible. Cuban people waving American flags. They're supposed to be our arch enemies, right? Evil Cuba. Here they are waving the American flag. How in the world did they get an American flag inside of communist Cuba? But they did. Where there's a will, there's a way, right? And did you hear what she said? When he said He's like, what are they doing with those millions of dollars? Well, they're hoarding it. They say that now. It's the same exact thing. Like, it's Scrooge McDuck, and he has a giant vault, and he swims in his coins every single day. And he doesn't want to spend the money. He just wants to feel the coins on his nether regions. Hopefully, hopefully he had it detailed at Z-Bar to South Bend. But when he pressed her on it, what ended up happening? She finally had to admit the truth, right? She had to admit that they're not hoarding it while they're investing it. Investing isn't hoarding. I I don't need to define that, right? Like, you all get that? I'm going to assume that my audience is intelligent. I know the CNN and MSNBC's audience is not that intelligent, but I know that you are, with the exception of two of you, and let's be honest, nobody cares that you're around anyway. Your parents want you out of the house for crying out loud. So we have the same argument in 1979 that we have heard every day since. We heard for decades before then, going back through the 60s and the 50s and everything else, which is a KGB talking point. The KGB put these things. You know, the KGB had these newspapers in the United States and they would publish them throughout, you know, student newspapers and things like that. They would publish them on campus. This is a huge part of the KGB propaganda campaign leading up to the civil rights movement. Then they co opted large swaths of the civil rights movement. And those people are now in power. People who are de facto KGB agents without realizing it. So this woman who is elderly in 1979 makes the same case that we have heard every day since 1979 and we heard for many decades before 1979 about rich people, but when pressed. How do they hoard their money? Do they put it under their pillow? Well, no, no, no. They invest it. Oh, what do they invest in? And eventually you get her talking because back then, even though she she is wrong on this issue, she was still intelligent. She you could tell that the woman was smart. She was wrong on this issue. But you know, when you press her on it, she's not gonna deceive you, right? So she's well, they invest it. Well, what do they invest it? Oil. Okay. <laughs> Think that might be a good thing, <laughs> investing in oil? They invest in, in machines and factories, which all give people jobs. And Milton Friedman, see, right after that, Milton Friedman, I almost played that one today, went right into the minimum wage argument. Now, if you're a business, okay, if you're a business and you are forced to pay somebody, let's say $15 an hour, well, $15 an hour is it's not a great wage, but it's not a small wage either and you're forced to pay somebody $15 an hour, who do you hire? Do you hire the 16-year-old who's never done anything and is probably only interested in TikTok? Or do you hide the 45-year-old who's looking for a second job so he can put his kid through college? Who do you hire? If you're forced to pay $15 an hour, who do you hire? Now, if you're at $10 an hour, the 45-year-old probably doesn't apply for that job. They probably become a bartender at night. But the 16-year-old is still there. What does the 16-year-old learn? How to be an employee, how to work. We've talked about the fast track to management and free education in the fast food industry many times on this show. It is a very real thing. Everybody looks down on fast food work, but fast food work is honorable work when you put the effort in. Almost nobody now does, but when you put the effort in, it's very honorable work, and the companies will take care of you because of that. They want to train you to be managers because they want you to buy franchises because they want the company to grow. So the easiest way to do that is to take somebody who starts at the bottom, works their way through for a year or so, starts getting more leadership roles in the company. If they thrive there, the company, hey, we'll pay for your college. Sign a contract that you'll work with us for a year or two afterwards, and we'll pay for your college. So now you go to college. You got a business degree, you got a college education, you got no debt, you come back to a job that pays pretty good, and they put you on the fast track to own your own business? There aren't that many industries that do that, but fast food gets a really bad rap because of it. And there's more than one place that does that. Carl's Jr. has a great program. McDonald's has a great program. Um, restaurants that are not here have great programs, in and out famous for that program. So there's a lot of places that will do this. There's some that don't. Okay, don't work at that one. But the same arguments that were made in 1979 are still being made today. There has been no progress in spite of them having zero data on their side. None. They still say the same things over and over and over again. It's Goebbels. I told you, the entire thing is Goebbels. Repeat the lie over and over and over again so people believe it. All that woman had to do was ask a simple question and he asked a simple question back and she answered her own original question and proved herself wrong. It's amazing. When you look at the stats, I know that we've done this on the show, we're not going to do it now, but when you look at the stats, when you look at the stats of low-income Americans versus the rest of the world, it is staggering how good they have it. And I'm not saying it's great. I'm not saying that it's It's even good comparable to the rest of the country, but compared to the rest of the world, it is great. Not a lot of super poor people in other countries have PlayStations and internet access and cell phones and power and water and food, cars, a roof over their head that isn't made out of garbage. And one of the biggest myths, the rich get richer, the poor get poorer, that's not true. That is a lie consistently what we see is that when the rich get richer, the poorer get richer. It's a true story. You look at any of the economic statistics over the past 20 years and you will see it. I'm only going back 20 years because that's generally the the data set points that people have is 10 to 20 years. You go back and you look at it. Every time the rich get richer, the poor get richer. In the United States, while people do move out of the millionaire class and move down, very few people move out of upper class down. So you can, you can go in and out of being a millionaire, but when you're in the upper class, you very rarely move down. But you know what you do on, on a regular basis in the United States? You go from the lower class up to the middle class. That upper momentum is the most common movement in our economy. From low income to middle class. That is the highest economic mover that we have statistically. So that means as you put in effort doing those very basic things to be successful in this country that we talk about on a regular basis, you will find a way to get out of poverty. You just have to put in the effort. And then people getting into middle class to the upper class, that also tends to happen. Very few people move from upper class down to the middle class, though. That doesn't happen a lot which also shows you have security the higher you go up economically as long as you put in the effort. You know where wealth is lost? Wealth is rarely lost by the people who start at the bottom. They usually continue to gain wealth, gain wealth, and gain wealth. It's usually their grandkids that lose it because they were born wealthy, didn't have to earn it. Usually the grandkids. Almost never the kids, but usually the grandkids. It's amazing how that works. And they've been having the same debate at least since nineteen seventy nine just with that that clip there, and it was happening before that. You got more coming up ninety five three MNC. Well, Denver, Colorado almost had themselves a Las Vegas style mass shooting. It didn't happen. And this time it didn't happen because the maid said something last time in Las Vegas. The maids didn't say something this time. The maids did say something an alert housekeeper at a hotel near Coors field on Friday may have headed off a Las Vegas style massacre at the upcoming major league baseball all-star game in Denver. The potential mass casualty incident was avoided on July 9th when a housekeeper at the Maven hotel located uh, less than a block from Coors field walked in a hotel room on the eighth floor and saw the occupants had a massive weapons cache there. It's according to KMGH News. The housekeeper contacted management. They called the Denver police. SWAT teams came to the hotel, and uh, as soon as they had a search warrant, they entered the hotel room, took one man into custody. Uh, Sources said police removed 16 long guns, multiple sets of body armor, and more than 1,000 rounds of ammunition from the hotel room. Not enough ammo for 16 guns, guys. Get your ratios right. Authorities located three more suspects in another room on the fourth floor of the hotel. They're still working to evaluate motivations and things like that, but this looks like it could have been very, very bad. So luckily, an alert housekeeper made the uh, made the call to tell everybody what was going on, and they were able to go ahead and take everybody into custody, and nobody got hurt. As the investigation continues, we'll continue to update you on what was actually going on. But again, you got multiple people. At least five people are involved. With 16 guns, thousand round of ammo, um, you got uh, body armor and everything else. So obviously, it looks very similar to a Las Vegas style shooting. And and again, motivations and all that stuff still not known. Uh, still waiting for all that information as the investigation you know goes forward. But again, course Field right there for the All Star Game. So this was designed. It appears to be a major event on one of the uh, the big uh, big sporting events of the year we got more coming up. Newstalk 95.3, Michiana's News Channel. Good afternoon. Thank you for tuning in. Newstalk 95.3, Michiana's News Channel. I am your host, Casey Hendrickson. If you're watching on Rumble.com and you haven't subscribed yet, could you please do that? I would appreciate it. YouTube continues to censor everybody. They're still taking everything down. So make sure you go to Rumble.com slash Casey, the host. Hit that subscribe button. Doesn't cost you anything but your soul. When I say that is that's what's keeping people from not hitting that like that subscribe button. You think you think people are I am in the Midwest. You think they're that weirded out by that, that I am actually collecting souls. Am I supposed to not tell them that I actually am? I can't be overlord without souls. I need souls. Okay. If you want me as your overlord, I need your soul. I'm sorry. That's just how it works. I don't make the rules. The parallel economy continues to grow. This is good. Been talking about the parallel economy for over a decade. Other people are talking about it now as well. Dan Bongino is all over it, and Dan Bongino is active in it. That's the thing. So Dan Bongino, he's no longer with Parler, but he he was um, an investor in Parler, alternative to Facebook, right? You've got uh, Dan Bongino is involved in Rumble, alternative to YouTube, right? Dan Bongino's now got that payment processing service. You've heard me talking about alternative payment processing for a long time. There needed to be one. And you heard me talk about this when PayPal tried to kill my business. And this is this is a critical one because there were like Second Amendment friendly payment processors, but instead of being Second Amendment friendly, they were predators. So what they would do is they would go out there. You had no place to conduct business. You'd have to get one of these payment processors that were Second Amendment friendly. And they, they would... Um, they would. <clears throat> I want to say something that my boss is going to angry at me if I say, so I can't say it. They will steal from you because their fees are so high. <clears throat> Insert R word. They will R word you. That's that's what it was. I what? I didn't say it. He's shaking his head. No, I didn't say it. But I didn't have an alternative. Okay, apey rebe. So they will apey rebe you on the fees, and it became. I didn't say it, Josh. I'm fine. I he's, he's like really upset over there. Anyway, he's new. So it became, you know, you couldn't use them. You are know, paying 2000, one of them, I had a quote for like $2,000 a month to have a payment processor. And then they took fees on top of it. And the fees were double of what everybody else was. It's insane, insane stuff. But if you didn't have those, you couldn't conduct business otherwise. Right. So now Dan Bongino's got this alternative payment processor. It works just like Square. And that's what I've been saying for years. It has to be just like uh, just like Square. Per transaction fee, like 30 cents. That's it. Make it quick and easy. That's now out there. A Christian motivational speaker I've never heard of. His name is Nick Vujicic. He's a motivational speaker. He travels the world. Um, he's is a Christian motivational speaker. Anyway, he became co-founder of a pro-life bank after he was kicked out of his bank. They posted a uh, apparently a, a fake article was or I should say a false article, not a fake article. It was a real article, but a false article was published about him. And that somebody actually threw a grenade into his house apparently. I've never heard of this guy, but this is an, an insane story. Um so anyway, Because of this, he started a bank. What have you heard me say recently? We need a bank. You have to have a bank. So that parallel economy, if you don't have banking, you don't have anything. So a parallel bank. So we got a payment processor, a bank. We've got alternatives on social media now. It is happening, right? It just took a long time of me saying it for people to start doing it and me not getting any credit for it. That's that's kind of what it took, which is, to be honest, it's my life i don't get getting credit from my wife. I don't get any credit from my parents. I don't get any credit from you. Okay. So this is how it is, but at least the right things are happening. So that parallel economy, as it gets built, what that's going to do is force the other side to make a choice. The choice is they continue to alienate half of the potential customer base out there, or they stop their shenanigans and actually become normal again. That's what has to happen. So this is great news. I don't know anything about this bank. If it's a good bank, whatever. But if you ask me, anytime that parallel economy gets built up, it's good news. More coming up 95.3 MNC. See, I feel like as a professional Matt Damon lookalike, I can say this I, I don't trust him. And we were just talking about this during the commercial break here on Rumble, because for those of you who don't know, Matt Damon plays a Trump supporter in his latest movie, was it Stillwater, um, and he has been all over the media talking about how amazing Trump supporters are and, and all of that stuff, and there's a part of me that is like, well, when you talk with people, you realize they're not the caricature that's been created about him. so I think it's certainly possible, but the other side of me is saying Matt Damon is one of the wokest social justice leftists in Hollywood. And everybody in Hollywood realizes when you tick off conservatives, your movies don't make money. And so he's playing a Trump supporter in this movie and he's bragging about how great he was treated by Trump supporters in Oklahoma. Is it real? Or is it just him trying to make sure that his movie doesn't tank and actually get Republicans and conservatives to go watch his movie because Republicans and conservatives don't watch Matt Damon movies? Josh has been figuring this out this past week. I don't know. I don't trust him. I don't trust him because of all of his previous antics. Bill O'Reilly's up next.